Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for March 10th, 2019. And we're, it's, it's Lent. It's Woo-hoo! finally here. One of the uh, latest Lents you could possibly have, uh, leading to one of the latest Easter's. Uh, you could possibly have, uh, but that's what we find ourselves in in 2019, and that is the the the, uh, the what is what has been given to us. Uh, so we've had an extra long time of uh, of of winter months, and now we're into the Lenten season that leads to spring. And so, by total coincidence, this Sunday morning is when we're supposed to change our clocks. So there is one practical thing everyone's getting from this podcast. If you listen to it this week. Change your clocks. And they're very good. And I look forward to seeing you an hour uh, off uh, schedule uh, by mistake from my, on my part. So rather than <laughs> making people do math, I'll simply say our services are at 8 and 10. So if you want to see Ben trying to sneak in at <laughs> 15, 20 minutes before one of the services. I totally yeah. have it down. Spring back, fall forward. Right? No. No. <laughs> So my helpful announcement has now just been turned on its head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, that's right. Spring back, fall forward. That's right. That's that's how the phrase goes. <laughs> if you're falling forward, uh, that, that's a, that, that is a, usually a medical condition. Um, yes. Um, See your doctor. Yes. <laughs> your equilibrium is off. You fall backwards, uh, far more dangerous. <laughs> And yet normal. And yet normal, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, It's a good way to injure yourself. Okay, so that concludes the part of the physician's uh, part of the podcast. Maybe our only (laughs) tangent. Good luck. Um, uh, So with that, I'm going to uh, roll into our this week's uh, podcast sponsor. Um, The uh, uh, since we are starting Lent, hopefully you're hearing this. uh, um, before Ash Wednesday service. So, uh, but but here our sponsor today is the hashtag Ash Tag. <laughs> if you're listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday, we encourage you after the disposition of ashes to post a selfie of you on your preferred social media platform with the hashtag Ash Tag. You're you've tagged yourself with ashes. Why not be part of or start a social media trend with it? And before you tell me that you don't feel comfortable putting yourself, quote unquote, out there like that, let me remind you of all the things that you do feel are important enough to share with me on social media. Misquoted inspirational sayings. Memes that, I'll be honest, I barely get sometimes. Lots of things with the hashtag blessed, which we all need to agree should stop. Updates of live sporting events that I'm already watching on TV. Pictures of your kids, pictures of your pets, pictures of your food, which looks gross and not at all appetizing, by the way, pictures of you traveling to exotic or cool places so that I know you're better than me, and links to political articles, which no one has ever asked for, and half the people you don't, you know, don't even agree with you, Aunt Karen. Why would you... Never mind. You're ranting. Never mind. Never mind. (sighs) So this Ash Wednesday... Remind yourself and those around you that the time we have together is fleeting, precious, and a gift from God. All can be said with the hashtag, hashtag. Except for the point about children, I love seeing pictures of children. I, I do, I do, I do. And sometimes your pets, but yeah. everything else, we can cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> 
especially food. My favorite are the, um, the, the quite frankly, the misquoted inspirational sayings. Uh, it, it is so funny to see sometimes them being attributed to the wrong person yeah. or not exactly what was said. <laughs> to, to, to quote one that is purposefully humorous, don't believe everything you read on the internet, attributed to Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> He was so wise. He was wise so beyond wise. his years. Oh my goodness! So let alone his century. So thank you to it. And and in in a way, uh, I I uh, I have been trying, been meaning to try to push the movement of hashtag hashtag uh, because we do. It is a it is a good thing uh, I think to put out there yeah. for uh, for for purposes of starting a conversation, uh, reminding people that it's. Ash Wednesday to go, you know, that it's time for Lent to, mm -hmm. to even if you have friends or family who don't know what that is, it's a good conversation starter for, yeah, this is it. This is, spiritual practices. this is why we smudge our foreheads mm -hmm. uh, and uh, what it means and why. And uh, and if you ever have any questions about uh, what it means and why, you can always ask uh, Bruce here. I'm going to volunteer him oh, yeah. uh, um, it, because it is it, it is on its face a little bit of a strange process right i mean it's a, it's a little bit of a strange thing to do the during the service we even talk about it usually the the, the reading is read about um um people um um praying in public or you know tearing their clothes and then we go out outside with uh, ashes on our forehead and it kind of seems like uh, very similar but um but there's uh, there's there's a lot of good reasons for, for for the service, and it's a lot of it's it's very uh, uh, personally, I very much like it. That, yeah, obviously I do too. Mm -hmm. And uh, they pay him to say that, by the way. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they pay me to show up for it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that too. That too. But yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that with anyone who'd like to either email or stop by the church or whatever way it's easiest for you to ask a question. Happy to answer it. But mm -hmm. the service itself, it really is moving. And so I guess I should give a plug for that, that on yeah. Ash Wednesday, our services here at Holy Family are at noon and 7 p.m. But all sorts of different traditions, denominations have Ash Wednesday services that are very similar. Mm -hmm. So look for one near you and be part of the, what's it called again? The hashtag, hashtag army. <laughs> Okay, now we're getting weirder and weirder on the... <laughs> hashtag, hashtag. Yes. Um, go forth and enjoy. There you go. There you go. Very good. Um, so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll move on, but that's, uh, that's our sponsor. Thank you very much to our sponsor that I totally didn't make up at all. Um, not a drop. Not a drop. So the, uh, the March 10th, our first reading is from the book of Deuteronomy. Everyone's favorite riveting uh, book of the Bible, uh, chapter 26, verses 1 through 11. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take from of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor 
He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, uh, the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. So, a uh, lot of shalls uh, 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 instead of may. Uh, and working for a law firm, I know the difference between shall and may. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, it is interesting. So this is it, it kind of ties into tithing, uh, the story yes, of giving. Uh, so. uh, giving uh, it doesn't specifically say the ten percent that we that, that we have a tendency to to center around, but it does. Yeah. It does. Uh, it does say that this is a very long thing to say when you bring a basket of first fruits before the Lord your God. Um, uh, how many people got this right? Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I, That's not what I wrote. That is, <laughs> I, uh, you have almost left me speechless for the first time with one of your questions. <laughs> and in part, because I actually was just thinking about, I wonder if they got to say this in unison. Right. So right, that right. if you're forgetting part of it, you could, <laughs> or if yada, yada, each, yada, yeah, if watermelon, each, watermelon. <laughs> If each person had to say it exactly, uh, but and of course we don't know since we don't get to step back in time and uh, monitor and evaluate their liturgical traditions. Do we think it likely that this might have been read from a scroll? Might have been part of like what was because I could also envision that like someone standing up before uh, right. you know a group of people bringing uh, offering to the to the Lord their God and and they read from this passage. Quite possible. Um, by this point. It was. A, I shouldn't even call it a passage because it probably wouldn't have. It wouldn't have been a passage to what they would have read. It would have been. Uh, was Deuteronomy part of the um, original Torah? The original Torah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so it was a literate society uh-huh. by the time uh, this liturgical action was um, offered, and so yeah, it's possible there was someone with a prayer book, as we would say now in the, mm-hmm. the Episcopal mm-hmm. Church. Um, letting people know what to say, letting them read off the scroll. Um, but also we shouldn't discount how in more ancient times, memorization was a highly prized skill mm. and practiced much more frequently than it is today. So it's it, even if it's a long uh, liturgical sentence or sentences to be said, there it's quite possible people were able to memorize them quite skillfully and accurately, whereas we give out after one sentence because sure. that's usually all we're ever asked to recite at any right. given moment is maybe one sentence if that. Right. 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 Um, and anything to, I, I mean, I find it interesting that for all its detail and in instruction, uh, it doesn't say any, it, it mentions basically like this is what you're going to do when you farm the land. Doesn't necessarily say anything towards like those of you who raise 
cattle or sheep or, or mm-hmm. mostly sheep in, in that region um, or lambs, uh, what you would do. It, it, is there any reason why, with all its specificity, that it focuses solely on farming fruit? Is that just because of some sort of symbolism in the wording or? I be- my, I'll phrase it this way. My guess is, but I'm pretty confident in this guess, is that this was a reminder that this is in the Deuteronomy um, literary setting, that these are people who are about to settle down after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Mm. So you can't offer crops unless you've been around for a growing season to offer them. Right, unless you're able to establish. And when you're wandering, you can't do that. Right. And so whereas with uh, livestock, they can wander with you. And so it would be much more ambiguous about, does this take place before or after we've settled? Mm. And That's it's not, yeah, interesting. Point. And not simply as a, oh, w- this is when we have to do it, but also as a, hey, you get to do this. You really will right. settle down. You're not stuck out in the wilderness for 40 years, only being uh, nomads. You will have the opportunity mm-hmm. to farm. And consequently, mm-hmm. all that means building homes, having communities that are stable, uh, building relationships that are beyond just the, folks you're walking with through the wilderness. So it it's part of the words of hope mm-hmm. that things are going to get better. It truly will be good. Interesting. And the um uh the the last verse references uh um specifically calls out then you together with the levites and the aliens who reside among you. Uh what they they for the people playing at home. Mm-hmm. Um What's the what was the uh, relevance of the Levites as as part of the tribes of uh, of, of Israel? The Levites were the priestly class. Mm-hmm. They were the, the tribe of priests, and they had a lot more restrictions on their lifestyle than the other tribes. They would not be farmers, so they would not be farmers, right? right. Uh, but they were still supposed to be part of this harvest celebration, right? And similarly, this was inclusive. This, this is an inclusive, inclusive message. And also, the aliens mm-hmm. were invited in. These aren't people from a spaceship. These are folks that were not of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. And one of the ongoing themes through the Hebrew scriptures, through the Old Testament, is repeatedly aliens being lifted up and included in liturgical celebrations, being included in civil rights mm-hmm. being included on all sorts of levels. So here's another example of that. Yeah, I would imagine as you wander for 40 years, especially during the time period that it occurs, you would encounter many a, a great number of many people along the way. Uh, some of your caravan, if you call it that, or, or yeah. some of your group would marry uh, perhaps with, uh, with with people that you encounter along the way. As a wedding gift, I can imagine servants um, being... Yeah part of that and and but like was there anything other than outside of like that kind of a thing just the the passage of time through 40 years and people encountering you and like oh you know coming upon your group and joining you in some way was like was that just is that the care the 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 group of aliens that we refer to or is it was there something more specific that Mm -hmm. happened what the way you described is is probably the majority Mm -hmm. but there's also the dimension of what we would now call converts which in the earliest times of what of what the Hebrew scriptures are describing was a relatively foreign concept in that in the earliest times, religion, culture, 
nationality were one. Mm. So every nation had its own gods. Right. Every tribe had its own gods. So the idea of someone saying, whoa, your God is better than the God I'm used to mm -hmm. was a foreign concept. And this dynamic that um, we're not, we see in the Hebrew scriptures is showing that folks are waking up to wait. The one true God is the God of Israel. And so right. we are going to abandon our, I love this term, household gods. Everyone sure. Knows. Sure. Very convenient to have household gods. Right. They were abandoning those. They were abandoning the the bigger gods that they might have been worshiping and their tribe might have been worshiping. And as part of worshiping the one true God, they would have been giving up their nationality, their tribe, their their family connections, and so would have been an alien and yet a true believer. Mm -hmm. in, the, okay. in the best sense of the word. Yeah, and, and, I, and we won't we won't delve into it now. We'll move on. But uh, I believe there's a couple of stories uh, as they wandered that do kind of point in that direction, right? Don't they? Don't they encounter several uh, uh, kings and kingdoms, and and there's like a story about that person's conversion right. or their entire house converted to. And a, a wonderful story to read is the Book of Ruth, where, mm -hmm. with Ruth and Naomi mm -hmm. and the conversion that takes place there. That's one of the bad girls of the Bible. <laughs> and there was a there was like like a whole series that was like the the bad girls of the Bible. Sorry, that was she's not really a bad girl. Not at she's all. awesome. My goodness, I know, right? It was so 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 scandalously uh, titled. Yes, uh, it was misleading. Actually. Ironically titled. Yes, it was. Yeah, they really weren't. It, otherwise, we would have focused on completely different people. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> So uh, the second reading, Romans uh, chapter 10, verses 8b through 13, uh, begins with a quote. The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. The scripture says, No one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in a way, that uh, that kind of references again what we were talking about which was lord being lord of all it wasn't right. necessarily uh, oh no no this is the, the the god of the jewish people right <clears throat> i'm only i'm only here for i'm only here for them don't bother calling on me if you are greek or right or or from from elsewhere that's you know so uh, very very inclusive the the phrase to, or the quote, I shouldn't say phrase, the, the quote that starts us off there. Do, where, do we know where that's from, where that's quoting from? The word is near you and on your lips and in your heart. Does it, do, we, do, do we know exactly where that? I'm putting you on the spot like yeah. I usually do. Because <laughs> um, it's a quote, but I assume it's quoting something like a, like a passage that the Jewish people would know from Scripture. It Yeah, it implies... It's a quote, but it's not clear where he's quoting from. Paul, when he quotes scriptures, is seldom word for word. Mm. And so this is one of the tougher ones that certainly there are some people say, oh, that's this, that, or the other thing. But there's not a consensus as to where he's drawing this from. Gotcha. Um, 
And there are many places where Paul quotes a scripture that he's off two or three words within the quote so we can figure it out. Mm -hmm. Or he identifies uh, where it's from. But more, more often than not, Paul will say something along, he will say literally, it says somewhere. Mm. And then he'll give a quote. And mm -hmm. it's up to linguistic scholars to try to unmangle his Greek to figure out where in Hebrew he might be quoting from. He's making it up as he goes <laughs> along. <I> hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and part of it is he was a very learned person. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a Pharisee, so he'd gone through all the advanced training and had knew the, the scriptures extremely well. He yeah. knew the commentary of the scriptures extremely well. He was probably pretty familiar with philosophical writings from the right. um, world around him, the Romans and all. So there's a huge library he could be quoting from. And so to try to find one sentence that's ambiguous, right. he can't always do he it. He kind of uh, strikes me as one of those people who is uh, probably so brilliant that, um, and I've, I've encountered several people who are, who are like this, that their, their mind just works too fast. And like they assume that you're following along with them, and and you know he knows where he's pulling it mm -hmm. from, but you know we actually need it written down so that we can go back and research. Right. <laughs> wait, 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 slow down there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, he, he strikes me, or at least in my mind's eye, that's 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 Paul as a, as as a person is that it's just it's it's moving fast. It's very. Uh, uh, without the jokes, it's very Robin Williams like, where it's just like, like there's so, an image I'll never lose. <laughs> there you go, Paul as Robin Williams. We really, we really, uh, God rest his soul. We really missed out on the uh, the the Paul documentary done by Robin Williams. Or maybe it's now produced and <laughs> waiting for us at the heavenly banquet. There as you the, go. As the entertainment. Actually, that sounds a little awful. <laughs> No, okay. I, I yeah. love Robin Williams, but I I'm a Bible nerd. I don't so know. I'm thinking a... Robin Williams and Paul riffing against. <laughs> oh each no, other. that would be cool. That could be fast. That would be really hooding. That would yeah. be that would be really good because uh, Robin Williams. I can't I can't picture him not being him. Right. Right. As Paul, not just Paul. <laughs> right. So I'd, yeah, I'd rather Robin Williams be him. Who um, Episcopalians claim, incidentally, Robin Williams. Oh, we do. Yeah, I yeah. did not know that. That um, at one period in his life, at least, if not many, many periods of his life, uh, he favored the Episcopal Church as his spiritual home. Hmm. Um, there we so, go. Uh, so, join us at the Episcopal Church, the home of Mork for Mork. There used to be T-shirts, basically to that effect. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Um, uh, anything else about uh, Romans other than our deep discussion, this philosophical discussion on Robin Williams? Well, the big <laughs> big thing is, um, I think the, the biggest point of this scripture uh, is the verse 12, uh, for there's no distinction right. between Jew and Greek. The Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all. That That's one, one of many places where Paul uh, will recite various inclusive imagery mm -hmm. to describe what the Christian community's ideal is. Right. And I think that's part of Paul's greatest gifts to Christianity is his pushing the boundaries of who is to be included to yeah. include lots and lots and lots of people. He didn't take it all the way out there, 
but he's certainly started that ball rolling in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, well then, uh, Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. This will sound familiar to a lot of listeners. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, for you will so that you do will not man, I cannot speak today, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. So um uh we 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 cover this story Every year, every first Sunday of Lent. Yep, uh, and and so it's a very and, and it appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I was going to say uh, most of the Gospels, mm-hmm. um, and so there are there are slightly different variations. But and I, I imagine that a lot of people have heard sermons over every aspect of this, pretty much. Um, um, but uh, you're being so encouraging of my sermon preparation. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And you're going to hear just <laughs> one, yet one another more. one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I, I uh, what I like about um, this story is, um, at least for me, uh, I think I've said this to one other person who, or I've said it to many people, but I think one other person did not like my interpretation of it. Um, I, I like this story because in my mind, Satan would not have tried, the devil would not have tried to tempt Christ. Unless there was a chance. Interesting. Because the devil's not dumb. Right. You know, and while I suppose this story could be, you know, a story told to, you know, weave in the background fabric of, of you know, the how perfect Christ is. Um, I choose to uh, read this story as though because he is man, a God made flesh, he still had the chance to be imperfect true he still that 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 he was hungry and could have been tempted to transform things into into eat he was uh there for a purpose uh which was to you know to to offer a new uh path for humanity and could rule over them and lead them that direction. He was there to bring a message to the masses and could have thrown himself off the temple in front of everybody and the angel swooped down and save him and therefore his you know his his uh, position would be irrefutably established. But like I I choose to focus on the uh the idea that the devil attempted these things in that hope of of uh, 
appealing to his human side and exploiting that weakness. Because, and, and the reason why I like that is because, um, and to put it in, in kind of like a, a, a biblical style, uh, if Christ was perfect and all of this was predestined and, uh, and, and completely unquestionably going to happen and, and he was perfect in every way, then what's the point? Right. You're then, exactly right. Then why, uh, why do we care? I mean, God incarnate was still God, and so therefore it was bound to happen this way. A stacked and, deck. Right. And, and, and of course he was going to die for our sins. And of course he was going to be raised from the dead. And of course he was going to commit, you know, do all these miracles. But the interesting aspect to me is to think about the fact that he chose to. Right. That this was a path that was put before him, sure, but that this was something that he had to continually commit to himself and to his father and to the into the world. And for me, that gave gives a lot more meaning behind not just the story, but all of those that precede it uh, mm-hmm. and all of those that come after it. So um, that's my take on it, because I know I know it. Like I said, we do it every year, but that's that's where what I take out of it. Well, and and you're I think you're completely accurate. Uh, one of the interesting things is there are variations between the three gospels in the story, mm-hmm. and one of the uh, few places that overlap in all three is the Jesus was um, tempted by the devil or by Satan, depending on which. Um, gospel it is and in addition to the 40 days it was wilderness so it doesn't say he was almost tempted or he could have been tempted right he was tempted he was which means there was a possibility of Mm -hmm. saying yes to any of these offers it was tempting yeah um so it's it's the old thing of if you truly don't like candy and someone offers you candy it's not a temptation right but if you really like candy it is a temptation, and saying no it, uh, will not necessarily be easy. So, yes, you're completely right. It's one of the uh, opening examples in uh, particularly the Gospel of Mark, where it takes place in the first chapter of Mark, mm-hmm. that Jesus is doing these things using Christ Jesus' own free will and you know, could have made different decisions repeatedly along right. the path. And it really gives color to, um, uh, specifically I'm thinking of the story prior to him um, being taken into custody. Right. Where he goes and he prays and, and you know, and, and saying, basically, do, do I, does it have to be done this right. way? The guardian do I have to? Yeah. Uh, um, I really link up these two stories, those two stories. And you're supposed to. And, 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 and well, good. Yeah. It did its job. But, uh, but because of, because my take, at least, like I said, I know at least one person who does not like that take. Um, so, uh, but, um, but because of that, uh, uh, the way of taking this story, that really, for me, makes that very impactful because you can imagine him as a, as you, as a, as a, as a human being wanting to, you know, do I do I really have to go through all this? Does it have to be uh, so public, so painful? So you know, can't we do it a different way? Mm-hmm. 
uh, and uh, and you really feel for you, you know you're able to connect with him in a way that for I think a lot of the other stories there's a very kind of a distant connection between the reader and Christ that you know that's such a high pedestal that we put mm-hmm. him on right that these moments like this really bring him pun intended I suppose down to earth with right. us and and uh, and and allows you to connect on on you know the commonality that you have as a human exactly and that we uh, may face similar temptations ourselves and to quote um, Flip Wilson from my youth mm-hmm. we don't get to say the devil made me do it yeah that th- this is a passage that clearly says <clears throat> devil can't make us do anything that right. we have free will and we have the free will to say no to the temptations we face in life the temptations take the easy path that may cause us to do harm to others or cause harm to mm-hmm. others even if we don't do it ourselves to uh, not follow God's desires for ourselves and for the world, we can be tempted to do the wrong thing or do the neutral thing that results in bad things. Mm -hmm. But we also have the ability to say no to doing those things. Right. And uh, we we have the same inspiration, support, uh, guidance that Jesus received to live a good life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and not to uh, it, it's meant to empower you. You're yeah, right, right. And it, it is also uh, I I could see how very easily then it would then uh, bring you down. That you're but you're not. Newsflash: You're not Christ. So if you fail in some of these tests, just know that there was really only one, <laughs> who who probably had that strength. Uh, True. Yeah. And and that is okay. Yeah, and and also because I would be it, turning that loaf, I would be turning that stone into bread, probably. I mean, <laughs> not so thrilled on the idea of like throwing myself off the temple. That one doesn't speak to me, uh, but I'm sure the devil would would carefully craft a different temptation. And yet, what you're most likely to see televised this week somewhere is someone th- throwing themselves off a high building in some kind of thrill sport, <laughs> or riding the ride and. <laughs> Disney World or Six Flags or Knott's mm-hmm. Ferry, that's the thrill-seeking, throw myself off a building and not die. I think that's one of the reasons that's in here, is that it is such a fundamental human desire to be able to fly, to fling ourselves off something mm-hmm. and survive, mm-hmm. and you know, have the, the thrill ride, and Jesus said no to that. To, yeah, know, to use a dated image, he was she, first in line for that roller coaster and said no. He said no thanks. Yeah, and obviously that's being a little flip, but it is one of those ways to remind us of Jesus's temptations were really tempting. Yeah, they really were interesting. The one about having dominion over the whole wide world. How many of us have wished at some time or another, you know, if I could have a week in charge of the world. I'd straighten right. all this out. Right. Jesus had that choice. And because he was well aware of both what he was called to be and do, mm-hmm. he knew that wasn't part of what God's desires were. But I think also he was already wise enough to know human nature being what it was. 
one week was not going to do it. Right. And by following the path he did, he gets for the entire rest of the history of the human race to work with us. Right. It, it, that one in particular, uh, especially for the readers and the immediate readers of, of uh, the, the gospel books, it, it would have been, you know, we've mentioned it before on this podcast, that it very much was the temptation of, like we expected there to be a kingdom here on earth. Yeah. And so that here it is written out. And there right. would, there would probably be, be, been readers who were like, wait, 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 why not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why, why not? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we're, that's what you're supposed to do. Isn't it? Isn't yeah. that what you were supposed to do? Yeah. You weren't and, supposed to die on a cross. <laughs> you were supposed to come out here, down here, kick the Romans out, establish our nation and let us, you know, you know, let us rule in peace. You should have said yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's yeah. That's very good. To point that out. Yeah. So interesting. Very. All right. Well, uh, with that being said, I think that's uh, that's the end of the podcast for uh, for March tenth. Unless you got anything else? Nope. For the sake of time, we better wrap it up there. But <laughs> hey, come hear a sermon or two and see that's what right. we do with it. Hear another sermon about <laughs> the temptation of Christ. Whatever. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us as we broadcast uh, out of uh, Fishers, Indiana, Holy Fa Family Episcopal Church here in Fishers. Uh, this was your podcast for March 10th, 2019. I'm Ben. I'm Bruce. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks. Bye.